It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to BGN Radio. Welcome to This Week in Fantasy. <clears throat> no, not that kind of fantasy. A little more nerdy, a little less... Sexy. I mean, is there any doubt that Superman wouldn't be the greatest fantasy baseball player in the world? That's the ticket. That's right, BJ Radio. We are back once again for another episode of This Week. In fantasy, and let's uh, introduce everybody around the horn as we look to my left. I see from FF Toolbox, Mr. Tony Casali. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, John. How you doing, sir? Well, well fine and dandy. And of course, Mr. James Elser from 97.5 The Fanatic, and more importantly, RotoWire.com. You can also hear his voice here regularly on BGN Radio. What's happening, James? What's up? up Johnny? How you doing, brother? Oh, you know, it's uh, I'm in the mood for some fantasy as yes. usual. Uh, so let's go around the camp notes and some injuries. We are looking in Chicago and hey, Tony, you got your wish there, bud. Uh, San Antonio Holmes uh, becomes a bear. Uh, looks like he's going to challenge Josh Morgan. Was this really mean? Probably not much of anything. I, for one, think Josh Morgan was playing pretty well during the preseason. So I don't expect uh, quite an impact out of him. But um, uh, you see anything in Chicago happening there, James? Uh, 
No, not at all. With Santonio Holmes, I think he's going to be, you know, a third receiver. Not not even in fantasy, a, a real-life third receiver. I think he beats Morgan out for that job. I, I do think that Bears offense could be very explosive. Uh, you know, I think Cutler's a nice sleeper this season. I've said that. Uh, and obviously Forte, you know, a top four, top five pick, and Brandon Marshall, a, a top-tier receiver. So I, I do an Alshon, obviously, a, a high-ranking receiver as well. So I think there's a ton of firepower on that offense, but I don't think Santonio Holmes is going to be anyone you want to own in fantasy. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a huge fantasy impact, but I do disagree with you. I think that Josh Morgan, I mean, he's been around the league also for a long time, and he's not, hes not, you know, uh, uh, making that big of waves here in Chicago. He's sort of off the radar. Uh, obviously, everybody just wants, uh, you know, um, our third wide receiver, Marquise Wilson, to come back. Uh, but it looks like that'll be 12 to 14 weeks from his injury. So if they put him on IR, he doesn't get back till week 10. Uh, and there you go. Um, as for Santonio Holmes, I, I love how he's become my guy after I mentioned him once. <laughs> no, he's a, you know, obviously he's a talented guy. He's still got to learn the offense. I can't imagine he can really get too much done uh, other than very simple plays outside of the first couple of weeks. I do think he's probably going to end up in that number three wide receiver position, but he's nothing more than uh, an emergency waiver wire pickup. Uh, we'll move to Jacksonville. <laughs> um, you know, Blake Bortles had a, a lot of hype, a lot of non-hype, a lot of bust, a lot of everything, but has looked pretty good also in preseason games. James, how much do you think a steal he could be this year? Um, is it, uh, you know, a backup quarterback potential you're looking at or more first or first uh, QB1 starter type of guy? Uh, I'm only looking at him in dynasty leagues, John, or maybe a keeper league and you snag him real, real late. Uh, I, I do think what, it, what we've seen is super encouraging. He has been the best quarterback in that camp. Obviously not saying that much, but they, they don't have a ton of weapons in Jacksonville. I'm actually a big Cecil Shorts fan. I think every year he kind of gets underrated. But, uh, you know, I think Gerhardt, I think they're going to pound the rock. I think that's the way Gus Bradley wants to do it. I, I don't think Bortles, hey, hey, I think there's still a chance, even though Bortles has been the best quarterback and he's getting some reps with the one, I think there's still a very good chance that Chad Henney starts the season as the quarterback. I think Bortles is just forcing the issue a little more than expected. But ultimately, from a fantasy perspective, I just don't think there's much there this season. I think that the combination of a rookie QB in a situation without any weapons and in a situation where we don't even know exactly when he's going to start out uh, just is something I wouldn't want to get into, John. Yeah, I mean, sure, he does have the ability to go in in week seven and blow it up, week four and blow it up and, and have a, a really good season. The The problem is he's undraftable. You can't take him in the draft. You can keep your eye on him. Uh, and frankly, that's what all of the rookie quarterbacks are this year. They're undraftable. I've seen now I've been in a number of drafts where I'm seeing Johnny Manziel go. It just blows my mind. Of all of the rookie quarterbacks, none of them have a job, a starting job, and he's looked the worst. So I'm not entirely sure why you wouldn't be uh, keeping your eye on Teddy Bridgewater if you were really looking for a rookie or Blake Bortles if you were looking for a rookie. But frankly, none of them are draftable right now. There might be somebody uh, to keep an eye on the waiver wire. Absolutely. Uh, Bridgewater lit it up last week. I'd be much more interested in him. And Manziel, you know, for all the attention that's gotten, I'm glad... Well, I say it's over. Obviously, it'll never, ever be over. But I'm glad the the nonsense has sorted itself out. And now there's two undraftable quarterbacks in Cleveland. Yeah, and I agree with you for the most part there. What I will say is, is this is probably like a same kind of thing you saw here in Philadelphia. Michael Vick into Nick Foles, except 
Chad Henney is not even close to being talented as Mike Vick, but I, this is this is something to keep an eye on for me, only because you a week six or seven maybe he kind of takes over full time. Um, it, it's definitely something I would I would consider a draft and stash late. Uh, but again, don't fill up a roster spot if it's not like it's it's going to go that way. That if you have a great team, why not take a flyer on them on the end? Uh, moving on to Kansas City, Dwayne Bow. Man, actually, there's a, there's a lot of folks getting caught with weed. <laughs> and uh, 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 if in in fact uh, James wasn't here for it, but um, Le'Veon Bell and uh, you know Legarrette Blunt getting caught uh, just last night. Uh, it didn't even make it to our regular BGN program because it, it happened so late. But uh, between we'll get to them in just a little bit. Dwayne Bow first. It's not long term. It's one game. I would expect the same for Blunt and uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell as well. But in game one for Kansas City, Tone, is there anybody that's going to step up and kind of take his targets? Anybody that you would look for, an Avery, a Travis Kelsey, or are you just telling all Jamal Charles owners that you're going to eat on uh, week one? Yeah, and Jamal Charles owners will eat on week one and probably throughout the year. Uh, here's the thing. Dwayne Bowe wasn't, you know, somebody that was on a lot of people's radar anyway. You know, Alex Smith has a tendency to not favor his wide receivers. That's just, you know, the way he plays. It's the way it goes. So, no, I don't think, you know, Donnie Avery is going to all of a sudden be a superstar or even be somebody that you're going to put in your starting lineup, frankly. Uh, he hasn't looked good in the preseason. Uh, who I do like over there is Travis Kelsey, and I like Travis Kelsey uh, regardless of whether Dwayne Bowe's in there or not. I think he's got a potential to uh, be a really nice uh, tight end, too, on your team and somebody you should definitely consider picking up late in your draft. Well, word is he got suspended because he tried to take Andy Reid's ham sandwich away from him, <laughs> and uh, that was frowned upon. By the, by, it's a little inside joke for the Philly listeners out there. Uh, but no, I, I'm not. I'm with you. I'm not a big Dwayne Bow guy. I know he's obviously had monster fantasy seasons. For some reason, he's one of those guys I just never own. I never really end up getting Dwayne Bow on any of my teams. And I think last year, obviously, you were very happy to not have Dwayne Bow on your team. Uh, I think that that offense, again, it's, it's going to be the same type of thing it was last year. I think it's going to be Jamal, Charles, and pray for rain. And I don't think you're really going to be able to to count on anyone else in that offense. Look, Alex Smith, sure, in a, a 16-teamer or as a, uh, you know, a bi-week fill-in, maybe has a little value, runs a little bit. And I do like Travis Kelsey. I think that's a very interesting name to put out there. He's clearly, you know, made a splash this preseason. He's been very, very good. Uh, but again, you know, uh, what are you really expecting out of Travis Kelsey? It's not like he's going to step up and move into the top tier of tight ends this season or anything along those lines. So ultimately, no, I, there's no one in Kansas City outside of Charles who, who I'll probably be owning this season. The uh, Gronkowski comparison to every tight end that plays in the NFL is ad nauseum, and it's pretty much overcomped as far as comparing other tight ends. This is the first guy that kind of actually looks like him, kind of plays like him, has the athletic athletic ability like him. His brother here is obviously in Philadelphia, very athletic center here. I am definitely keeping an eye on Travis Kelsey, uh, uh, not only week one, but everything past that too. So, uh, Tone moving on to Buffalo. Again, this kind of happens every year too. I feel like he's always in the conversation. Obviously, Fred Jackson's getting a little older, but to me, he, you know, he looks fine. He's still productive. And he's not in a lot of conversations basically at all. He's an afterthought. Where does he fit in for you right now? 
I think he fits in uh, really well. You know, I've seen some uh, people saying that they're taking a look at him, you know, well above uh, C.J. Spiller just because of where they're going. You can get C.J. Spiller, uh, I'm sorry, C.J. Spiller in the second or third round and you can get Fred Jackson maybe, ninth, eighth, you know, ninth. seven ninth rounds later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to look at, you know, if they are going to be in a timeshare, uh, which, you know, C.J. Spiller's still going to get more of the carries, but once you get to the goal line, if you need somebody on your team who's definitely going to get some carries, definitely going to get some goal line work, and you're not going to draft them as anything more than a running back four or five, then Fred Jackson's your guy. Yeah, I mean, he's the oldest guy in, uh, the oldest running back in the NFL, which makes me sad because he's a number of years younger than me now, and <laughs> and that's just the way that goes. Uh, but, you know, he's still got it. I mean, he still looks good. Uh, he's been in a timeshare most of his career, so he's still got a little bit of legs, and some guys can just last a little bit longer, and he's he looks like he's going to be that guy. So, yeah, for where he's going, I have absolutely no problem with people putting him on their team in the ninth round. Yeah, that's a great point, John. I think Fred Jackson is one of those perpetually undervalued kind of fantasy assets. I feel like every year people just don't give him the credit he deserves heading into draft season. And then you're, you know, a month, a month and a half into the season. And, and he's the leading point guy on, on the bills and he's a, a you know, serviceable number two running back. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's one of those things with these older types of running backs. It's like, is this the year? Is this the year? Is this the year? And it certainly might be. I think the fact they went out and got Bryce Brown and we're willing to give up a fourth and, and maybe potentially could turn into a third for it scares you a little bit. Uh, you know, they only signed Jackson to a one year extension. So I, I definitely think that Jackson is kind of heading towards the sunset as it were. But I do think there's value there. I think that they're going to employ all three of those guys. Spiller has shown he's had some problems staying healthy. Uh, Bryce Brown, we all know, at least Philadelphia's, Philadelphians know that he hasn't proven that he can be an every down go-to back in the league. He's had flashes. He's had some great moments. Obviously, that Cowboys game a few years ago was was epic. But, you know, he fumbles. He really much only goes outside, has trouble going in between the tackles. So I think that Fred Jackson certainly fills a hole there, can actually uh, contribute to that offense from a, from just an NFL perspective. Um, I don't know what kind of fantasy guy is going to be because he is kind of getting up there in age, but I, I definitely do think he's slightly undervalued year after year. Yeah, I think this is his last year. I think this is pretty much it as far as productivity just as an NFL football player. Obviously, like Jane was talking about in Philadelphia, we know Bryce Brown pretty well. I don't think he's going to be significant enough to take a bunch of carries away from either of these two guys. He'll be, a, you know, that guy in case one of them goes down. So I think Fred Jackson is is still a great pickup right now, and he's not talked about enough. And that's a good reason because we can all draft him for a really low price and you know, helpfully contribute to your league championship. You know, we're going to stick with running backs. We mentioned it just earlier. Le'Veon Bell, the Garrett Blunt, I mean, living up to uh, Le- uh, Blunt's last name, but uh, that, 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 uh, but what um, what does that do for you, Tony? Are, 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 is that scaring you off from taking Le'Veon Bell late in the first round, or is he dropped with that possible one to two game suspension that might be might be seen? Yeah, honestly, it does a little bit. Uh, you know. I, at first, I thought maybe it was just a team building exercise. You like seeing these guys hanging out outside of. Uh, Outside of camp, but uh, yeah, getting high together while driving around probably isn't the best idea. Now, I, I do think that the NFL, you know, marijuana laws are probably a little bit archaic and a little strict. Shut However, up, you liberal! Yeah, I'm a hippie over here. But yeah, no, I, a little, little bit, little bit, a uh, little bit strict. But 
the rules are the rules. You know what they are going in. I'm not, honestly, I'm not that worried about his uh, getting busted with a small amount of marijuana. I'm much more worried about the blood test that they took afterwards because they're going to determine whether he was driving under the influence, which would carry a greater penalty. So just having a little bit of weed, he might get that one game suspension, uh, you know, or, or something in that neighborhood like Dwayne Bowe. But if he was driving under the influence, now we're talking multiple games. Yeah. They're going to wait for the, the, the system to, to play out, but yeah, it makes him, makes him fall out of the first round for me. Kind of interesting that, uh, you know, the guy we mentioned at the top of the show, San Antonio Holmes, also ejected for smoking weed. At least that was the main reason that the Steelers gave when they originally released him after the Super Bowl. What are they going to do now when their feature backs are missing? Hmm? Are they going to they gonna stick to that? I don't, I don't think so either. But uh, uh, Yeah, the rest of their backfield has a grand total of zero carries in the exactly, NFL. So we'll exactly. see how that works out. And granted, we're all, I mean, like, I know there's a lot of big fans of uh, Dre Archer here, but they're, he's definitely not a complete back. He's he's kind of a guy you can put all over the place, like a like a Darren Sproles type of guy who's even shorter and faster and all that crazy stuff. Uh, moving to New York and Washington, I'm going to lump both of these in because there's the preseason games are starting to roll out. The most important ones are coming this week. It's the third preseason game. It's the final tune-up. It's a lot of overreaction. I mean, this, is, this to me is the greatest a week in preseason if there even is one uh, only because the overreaction and underreaction to absolutely everything and how a team's going to do uh the hot takes that come out is is amazing and the giants and washington offense the washington we saw on monday night i'm going to go with that because it's the most recent thing that's in my head first of all jay gruden's offense and take it for what it is because i'm a little biased and i'm not a big believer in jay gruden looks like it's straight out of 1995 i mean there is that is vanilla as it possibly can be. The goal line, big packages, the the way they run their pass patterns. I understand it's going to take a while for those guys to get an understanding of the concept of whatever West Coast offense he's running. At New York, it's it's the same thing. The first team offense hasn't looked great. Uh, and do either of those two teams, is that going to, I mean, like how much value are we actually putting into preseason here? What are we getting shown that as a fantasy owner, you get to be like, whoa, that's a huge problem. I'm curious on your guys' thoughts on that. I'll be honest with you, John. I, I think I said this on the last podcast as well. I put very, very, very little stock into what we see in the preseason, especially what we see in preseason weeks one and two. I think you're just going to see the most vanilla of schemes. I don't think any coach wants to give anything away, even something small. I think they're holding it all in their back pockets. They're just trying to get a feel for how those guys can go out and kind of bang bodies and who's going to step up a little bit and who can contribute in base packages. And and maybe that's a sign that they could do even better in certain packages. But I, I think across the board, you're seeing a very, very, very vanilla you know, coaching schemes across the league. So I don't take a ton out of it. I think I take a little more out of the Giants uh, than out of the Redskins. I think the Giants are trying to institute a new offensive system, as are the Redskins, but it looks even worse with the Giants. Eli just hasn't looked comfortable. Uh, I think the fact that Odell Beckham can't get on the field is going to hurt them. I think they're actually relying a lot on Odell Beckham, which which doesn't say a lot of good things about their offensive prospects this season. But I think they just look out of sorts. They look off. They look rusty. Uh, But ultimately, across the board, I'm not taking any of it too seriously. I mean, speaking of the Redskins, you look at the weapons they have with Deshaun and Pierre Garçon and, you know, Alfred Morris and Jordan Reed. I mean, they have so much talent down there offensively with obviously RG3 at the helm. 
I think they're going to be all right offensively. I, I would be more worried about the Giants, but both of the grain of salt. I uh, actually have the opposite opinion. Actually, I think I'm more worried about, and I and I completely agree with you for the most part, James. I think Washington is going to struggle a lot. I, I really don't think it's because of what we're seeing here on in the preseason. I think people too put way too much stock in it. I think a lot of big name guys put way too much stock in that as well. Um, and I think it's because they want to win their own fantasy league too. I don't know if there's some kind of conspiracy thing going on there, but um, Washington looks, it, it comes down to RG3. And for me, what I saw last night, I, I still don't think he's all the way back. And now that, you know, he has to learn a completely new offense, it's going to take them a while to get there. I think I'm a little more down on guys like Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson and Alfred Morris and RG3. I think that it, it just looks like it is too simple. I understand that, you know, you don't want to give anything away, but I, I, I don't know. That, that, that doesn't even anywhere close to looking like what I saw in Cincinnati. In New York, I actually think it for fantasy purposes, I don't think the Giants are going to be great. I think they're still scrambling. But for guys like Rashad Jennings, who I completely thought was going to be worthless because of that offensive line, I think they're going to throw the ball a lot, and I think they're going to be forced to throw the ball a lot. And it's not an aerial tech. It's very dink and dunk. Obviously, that they're you know trying to scramble to get a playmaker out there. If you're a Rashad Jennings owner and you're in a PPR league, I got to tell you what, I think you're looking at top 20, top 15 back there. Uh, Andre Williams is going to steal those goal line packages, those short line whatever. But, I mean, Rashad Jennings is going to be a third down back here. So I expect a lot of passes and some decent amount of runs. I'm very high on him right now. And I just don't think that what you're seeing in preseason – uh, you know, you should just stick to your guns here. Be, uh, you know, be trust yourself. That's how you win most of these leagues here. For, for instance, I know that a lot of people are against me with Toby Gerhardt. I know that that's going to be a bad situation down there. I have it in my gut. I have it in my feelings all over the place. I'm not drafting Toby Gerhardt because of what's happening in Jacksonville, because of their offensive line, because of all this other stuff, and because of the injury history for a guy like Toby Gerhardt who does – have injury problems who does have bad hip flexors and backs and all that stuff it's not worth it to rely on an rb2 i I actually i think i used my my player on the upswing last week for rashad jennings and i totally agree with you i think he's going to be an every down back there i think he might might lose some goal line carries to andre williams uh but I think he's going to be a significant contributor, especially in a PPR league. I think he's going to be the kind of guy you can count on to give you points week in and week out. He's not going to be a feast or famine guy. Uh, he's going to be their running back. He's going to be their go-to guy. I think he proved in Oakland last year when given the chance that he can handle the load for a game, you know, in a game situation. So uh, I'm with you hundred percent there, John. I, I think Rashad Jennings is, is criminally underrated. I think he's going to easily be a top 20 back by the time the season is done. Uh, you know, we, we we disagree on Gerhardt, but I definitely see where you're coming from. I'm not as high on Gerhardt as others are. Uh, I definitely see that. I'm, I'm not, I probably won't end up with Gerhardt much because I don't like him as much as other people do, but I'm not as down on him as you are. And Tony, obviously, I want to get your thoughts in on this as well. Do you think you should be, you know, scouting these preseason games this week? I, I think you should. Well, and here's the sort of the thing. A lot of these drafts happen on the, you know, the 24th. They're happening this weekend. And this weekend is when you need to be paying attention to the preseason games. It's really the only time you really need to be paying attention is the first half of game three. This is what it's going to look like. This is the actual dress rehearsal, right? So if you've got the draft on in the background, 
or I'm sorry, if you've got the game on in the background while you're drafting, you should probably be paying a little bit of attention to both because <laughs> this is where you're going to find out if they can actually do it. In New York, yeah, it's a new system. Uh, it takes a little bit of time. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried, but I'm not worried about Rashad Jennings. I think he's going to be just fine. A little bit more worried. Everybody says, you know, Eli Manning can't have as bad of a year as he did last year. Well, yes, he, he, it's, he can. <laughs> but, but for what it's worth, they're, they're probably right. It's an outlier, just like Peyton Manning probably can't have a good a year as he did last year. Yeah, that's probably true, and it's a real easy statement to make. That being said, I think Eli Manning can still have a pretty bad year. Uh, in, and I don't think at the end of the season it's going to be that big of a problem. But I think these first four or five games, as they're getting their feet under them, I'd still be a little bit worried about Victor Cruz in anything other than a PPR league. I'd still be a little bit, I'd be very worried about Eli Manning. I wouldn't you know, put him on any of my teams, honestly. Uh, he just has no place in them. Uh, RG3 over in Washington. My biggest concern with him, obviously everybody watched him take, you know, three hits on one play. He doesn't know how to slide. He doesn't know how to get down, protect himself, make some bad decisions. And, and the thing is, I, I really like RG3 this year. I'm just terrified watching him because at any given moment, he can go down because he doesn't know how to protect himself. Um, and until he does, it's just going to, you know, I'm going to have an ulcer watching him play because he is on one of my teams and he may be on another one because, you know, he's going off the board at QB nine, QB 10. And I still think he's a value there, but make sure you have a good backup because he is going to, he's trying to actively hurt himself. Last point on this thing. And we'll, uh, we'll move on from here. I also want to just say, don't sleep on Ruben Randall as the number two guy or whoever, because they're still looking for a playmaker in New York. I think there's a lot of people that are still undervaluing him as well. Um, you know, the the yards and maybe the overall catches won't be there, but down in the red zone, uh, I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. So that's another guy that could be a great flex who could possibly rise to a wide receiver three or, you know, a wide receiver two if you're only playing with two wide receivers. That's a guy that I'm kind of looking at, and that might be uh, also on my way up, my way down as we're uh, getting into that as well. Speaking of overrated, underrated, and fun things like that, uh, we've uh, you know we've talked about draft positions, where the best spot is to be, what you should do in 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 certain spots. If you're at twelve, or if you're at one, or in the middle, uh, guys, I'm just out of curiosity. What is your favorite draft position if you're in a snake style draft? Snake style draft. John, I've given this a lot of thought after I've been playing fantasy for about 12 years now. So uh, I've had many opportunities to kind of weigh the positives and benefits, um, positives and negatives, excuse me. Um, (laughs) But again, you know, and honestly, what I've learned is that I I just think it's different every year. Uh, You know, this year I want to be in the top four. I want to get either Shady, Charles, Forte, or McCoy or excuse me or Peterson I want one of those guys I want to be in that top four preferably fourth you know let everyone else make the decision for me I'll take that fourth guy and have the best pick coming back on the wraparound Uh, but I think it really just depends on a year-to-year basis some years there are 13 top guys who I really like and then I want to be at that that 12 pick and have the chance to get two of those 13 or or, you know whatever Uh, so I think it really depends on a year-to-year basis generally though I'm I think I'm not one of those guys who loves to be on the end I know a lot of people love to kind of have that wraparound pick I think that in a lot of cases especially in larger leagues you end up having to reach when you're on the end too much because you know there's no chance that this guy makes it you know 24 picks back to me so so I'm going to take him now when if you were somewhere in the middle you might have been able to get someone better and get that guy on the wraparound so I generally kind of like the middle of the draft a little bit more anywhere from say four to seven 
But honestly, I think there are so many different situations where I would want the first pick. So I'll I'll say in the middle of the draft, especially in a snake, but ultimately uh, I can go either way on it. Uh, For me, it's usually, at least for what it's worth, uh, I don't necessarily think it's my favorite position, but it's where I've always had the best luck. And that seems to be right around four or five. I think the reason why I like four or five uh, typically is because you get that last guy of the first set of running backs almost every year, right? So if you've got four or five guys that you're happy with, and I would do it, I would sort of feel the same way this year, you know, right after, uh, you know, McCoy, right after Forte goes and Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson, there you go. Now you have your chance. You can take the best receiver on the board or you could take the next best running back. So it depends how big your first tier of running backs is. Uh, but that's sort of when you when you have the I have I have virtually the same feelings this year about Matt Forte as I do about Jamal Charles, to be honest. I, I have I would have no problem with having either of those guys on my team. And if I was drafting fourth uh, or fifth and had Forte, then you come back on the other side. You still have an outside chance at a really good receiver. Right. Uh, because you're you're picking 19th, 18th, 19th and not 24th. Um, big fan of that. Big fan of that spot. I do not like the number one spot. Never have. Um, it's it's just, it is a curse, and it's just too long before you pick again. Tony, let me jump back in here. I think I missed a, a crucial opportunity here. What I should have said when you asked me what my favorite spot was, I should have said auction, because <laughs> auction drafts are the best way to draft. This will be my my plea to everyone out there who's never done an auction draft. Do an auction draft. You get a chance to actually build a team the way you want to. You're not dependent upon other people and their whims and their decisions to, to construct your roster. You have all control over everything you do you have the chance to get whatever players you want if you manage your budget right uh it's just i think uh uh, taking the next step up in terms of of fantasy prowess and and fantasy fun yeah the fun things i like to do during an auction draft are actually just to throw people off because you know like for instance this year you know guys are like okay uh lashawn mccoy you know, 55 bucks, and it ends up that, and they're like, okay, well, if he went for 55, then I can do that or whatever. So that whole process is usually how it goes. But, man, I, I love throwing little dollar and second $2 bids right out the chute. I like to be the first guy that's just so sneak someone through, right? It's just like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Devontae Freeman, be the second guy in the auction, and nobody has a freaking clue. Like, if that's the first running back that somebody announces – I feel like a lot of weekend warrior types are lost because they're like, wait, it's not on my top 300. And where do I mark off on my ESPN magazine? Ah!" And uh, (laughs) I think that's a great way to to throw people off if you're in an auction draft. I agree with James. I haven't haven't done enough of those lately, and I, I would really like to get back into them at some point. So, Tony, what are what are some of the things that you're bringing in like uh, strategies that you would bring into the auction league draft? Well, I've been I've been doing, you know, work on this for the past couple of weeks, trying to figure out what I'm going to do, reading lots of articles and uh, finding out everybody's uh, draft worth when it comes to dollar amounts. And, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff out there when it comes to nominating people you would never take, just watching other people, you know, go after them and then waiting for little lulls in the auction draft. And then you can jump in because apparently from what I am told and what I've read, you know, these auction drafts take a long time. There are lulls and that's where you can snatch up these steals. Uh, so some of that stuff and also trying to keep my emotions out of it. That's, that's where it gets tricky. When you fall in love with a guy in a snake style draft, he's there or he's not there anymore. 
and maybe reach around. That was an interesting way to put that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you give your, maybe you give your guy the old reach around or maybe you, uh, maybe you, maybe you hang back, but in a auction draft, you know, everything's out there and, uh, you know, try not to let my emotions get carried away with me. So if there's a player that I love, you know, I've got to set a, I've got to set a dollar limit I've got to be pretty strict with it. Um, I'm going to probably set dollar limits per position and see how close I can come to it. And guys, as we're moving out here, give us uh, either one uh, player moving up your board or one player uh, moving down your board. We'll start with Tone. All right. Well, I'll start with the the player moving down my board. Obviously, I was going to say Le'Veon Bell, right? Of course, he's moving <laughs> down a little bit. But no, I'm not going to go with him. Uh, he, he Obviously, everybody knows now that uh, that he's been busted and he's moving down everybody's board. So I'll go a little bit deeper in there. I'm moving down, as we were talking about the Giants, I'm moving down on Odell Beckham Jr. right now. Uh, you know, he's a rookie receiver. Obviously, I've already got a little bit of trouble there. But, you know, obviously, he's a talented guy. But these nagging hamstring injuries, you know, uh, he keeps having a little bit of setback, a little bit of setback. And the one thing that you need is a rookie wide receiver is reps. And he's not getting them, and he's not going to likely play this weekend because of his hamstring again. Um, you were talking about Ruben Randall. I think he's going to pretty much have a lock on that number two spot coming out of the uh, coming out of uh, the preseason games this year. So right now I'm down on Odell Beckham. John, my, mine's kind of I'm going in for a guy at the top of the list, but it, it's my personal board. I didn't have him as high up as I should. Uh, and I'm going to kind of move Jordy Nelson up. I think he's totally healthy. I think Rodgers is totally healthy. I think that I think there's going to be something there this year. I think it's going to be one of those special connections. I think that he's going to look for Rodgers in every situation he possibly can. Or excuse me, I think Rodgers is going to look for Nelson in every situation he can. Uh, I'm just really hopping on the Jordy Nelson train right now, and, I, and I'm a little behind everybody. I I don't think other people might. You know, I don't think this is moving up other people's boards. It's moving up mine. I was a little slow on the uptake when it came to moving Jordy up, but I think Jordy Nelson has a shot to be a top five receiver this year. All right, now I'm going to go back to another tight end. I mentioned Travis Kelsey earlier, who I really like, but Ladarius Green. I love this kid. Uh, you know, he's you know he's another one of those big guys, six six two forty. He's really fast, and Rivers loves him. There, it looks like they're going to be putting him out there uh, with Antonio Gates at the same time. So people who love Antonio Gates or who feel like Ladarius Green can only get work if Antonio Gates is out. It doesn't seem to be the case. Looks like both of these guys are going to be used on the field at the same time. They're splitting Antonio Gates out. And, you know, Green is just looking great. For a guy that you're getting in the 11th round, absolutely. I mean, this guy has the potential to be the real thing in San Diego. We already know that Philip Rivers loves his tight ends. And, you know, I'm not saying he's this year's Julius Thomas, but I'm saying that he's a guy that he's your number two tight end. About halfway through the season, you might be able to trade away your number one tight end for somebody huge and just keep this guy going the rest of the year. So definitely target this guy 10th, 11th round. Uh, might might be very, very pleasantly surprised. Real quick, I'm going to give you one on the way down, in my opinion, and and this is to needle Tony right right in the little oh, side no. little kidney needle. I'm Bishop Sankey's falling down my board. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if he's definitely going to be the starter there. I know that ultimately he'll get the job, but... I really have not been that impressed with what I've seen out of Sankey. Uh, you know, I think that Sean Green, who, who in my opinion stinks, is going to play a role there. I think there's going to be a somewhat of a, a two or three headed monster there. I, 
I don't think that the, I think the offensive line is actually going to be much improved, but I don't know whether Wizenhunt's going to want to run the ball that much. I think he's going to try and throw the ball a little bit more. I, I, you know, I like Kendall Wright a lot this season. I don't know. There's just something where I feel like this Bishop Sankey love is, is just growing and growing. And he's, I mean, I'm looking at a, a, a draft listing that has him as the 18th best running back. Uh, you know, I'm not taking him over a guy like Rashad Jennings to harken back to what we were talking about before. I- I'm not taking him close to Rashad Jennings. So, and I think that a lot of people are taking him over Rashad Jennings. So for someone like that, I, I think he's just that the hype is getting a little out of control for a guy who we don't even know what his role is going to be. And there you go. Awesome. Awesome stuff, guys. Uh, I know a lot of fantasy information is a lot like uh, trying to get a drink of water from a fire hydrant. I remember seeing somebody write that at some point, and I think that's hilarious and really, really true. Um, just what, I, what I'm going to say to everybody, like I've been saying, stick to your guns. Know that, know that you know, your information is good and know that, um, tr- you know, trust in what you're drafting. That's where I'm going to leave it. No ups or downs for me today. There's a lot of other guys that I could sling out there, but it'll probably be better just to see them towards the season. We'll get into waiver wire pickups and all that good stuff as we're approaching the most important draft weekend coming up next week, and we'll get into that and strategies, trends that we're seeing, all that type of stuff. This is when it starts to form shape, and we can actually really dig into this thing. But, uh, um, I appreciate everybody listening, and we'll be back next week. Uh, so for me, John Barchard, For my co-host, Mr. Tony Casale and Mr. James Zeltzer, we thank you so much for listening to This Week in Fantasy right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. This episode of This Week in Fantasy has been brought to you by Eagles Almanac, the 2014 edition. The Eagles Almanac includes detailed analysis, essays, scouting, statistics, and more from the likes of Shil Kapadia, Tim McManus, Jimmy Kemsky, Tommy Lawler, and Bleeding Green Nation's own Brandon Lee Gowton. You'll get in-depth access to the play breakdowns of Chip Kelly's dynamic offense, see how LaShawn McCoy can build on his record-setting season, seeing exactly what Nick Foles' ceiling is, and of course, your guide to the important art of buying an Eagles jersey, the 2014 Eagles Almanac. Grab it now at eaglesalmanac.com. Dot com.